Hello, everybody. We have two Bible readings today. Uh, The first one is from Luke chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 39 to 56. And if you have one of our Bibles here, you can find that on page 1025. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, for he has been mindful for the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has he helped his servant Israel remember he has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Our next reading is from Psalms 107, verse 1 to 9. And you can find that on page 603. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those who redeemed from the land of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south, Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. There you go. Thanks, Naomi. Uh, it is great to be uh, here with you this morning. Um, I don't know what uh, you were told at the beginning. Here's my version of, the, of events. Uh, I was away with Mike last week and uh, he said, Peter Lockery is meant to be preaching and he's really sick. Can you do it? You're on holidays in Adelaide. And I said, Mike, anything for you. So that's my version of events whatever else Jack's told you or Mike tells you. Uh, it was good spending time with Mike, and uh, I'm really glad they've got some time to uh, to get away on holidays. If you haven't had a chance to get a Bible uh, and uh, turn it to Luke 1, that would be uh, terrific if you can do that. There's not much of an outline for you, I'm afraid, so uh, we'll see how we go with that. Let me pray, and we'll have a look at it together. Uh, Father, as we think about what it means to follow Jesus... Uh, we see today that that includes being people who overflow with praise. Uh, for some of us, that is uh, that feels a bit awkward. 
uh, doesn't feel very natural. So we pray as we look at, uh, at your word this morning that you would help us to see uh, how overflowing with praise is a natural part of responding to Jesus. Amen. Um, so Luke chapter 1, it uh, kind of feels a little bit like Christmas uh, looking at this passage, Mary's song. Um, but just kind of pretend it's Christmas in July or something, given we're in July, and uh, we'll see how we go. Um, Again, overflowing with praise, overflowing with thanksgiving, I'm not sure if that's something you feel abundantly comfortable with. Um, So for for some of us, um, this is me happy, and this is me sad, and this is me overflowing with praise. Okay, so that doesn't kind of feel like a big range of, you know, feelings and emotions, unless we're at a sporting match, which is entirely different. So what what does it mean to be overflowing with thankfulness? What does it mean to be overflowing with praise? That's what we're going to work at today. And we do that by looking at uh, Mary's song in Luke chapter 1. Uh, and just try and think this through, because I think it's I think it's tricky for us. So one of the problems is we've got, we've now got social media, which means that we're not used to telling people how we're feeling. You don't have to tell anyone, actually. You just post it. Stick it on Instagram, stick it on Facebook. Yeah, you know, this is me excited as I'm drinking a coffee. We got that up. Bring it, brilliant. Uh, this is me really excited because I'm walking the dog at the park. Yeah. Uh, here's me at the movies watching James Bond. You know, we just kind of, we don't have to talk to anyone. We can just tell the whole world by our internet that I'm excited and uh, I'm having a great time. But in the olden days, before social media, when you were excited about something, you actually spoke to a real person. There's this crazy thing. And so that's what you kind of did. And um, and that's what we see here in Luke chapter 1, as we see this interaction, particularly between Mary and Elizabeth, talking about what they're excited about. Mary's heard that she's going to have a baby. She knows he's going to be the son of God. But she wasn't married. The consequences for her socially would be disastrous. She, in all likelihood, she would lose her engagement. She would lose any social standing that she had, she would be shamed by her family and her friends. But here she is, she sings. She sings with excitement, she sings with rejoicing, she sings with praise because of something. (coughs) She isn't kind of just resigned to trusting God, gritting her teeth. Uh, She's not kind of just doing the teenage thing of saying whatever. Like, she's genuinely excited. So what we're going to do is, uh, if you are jotting down some notes, we'll look at uh, point one, so much joy. Point one, so much joy. Uh, Point two, reasons for joy. And then thirdly, uh, thinking it through. So much joy, reasons for joy, and thinking it through. So so much joy. Have a look down there at verse 39 again. And uh, most of us are kind of familiar with the the story. Uh, The angel first came to Zechariah and said, "You're, you're going to have a son. Um, he will announce the arrival of Jesus. The angel then went to Mary that she would conceive uh, by the Holy Spirit and give birth to Jesus, the Lord's Messiah who would rule, to, rule forever. Uh, Mary is told then to go to, is told about Elizabeth who's pregnant too. And so if you look down there in verse 39, Mary goes, uh, she hurries off to the hill town of Judea to visit Elizabeth. Uh, we then see this kind of excitement build. Uh, but the first sort of song of praise is actually from a baby, and not a baby that's been born yet, a baby in utero. So look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth w- was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Down in verse 44. As soon as the sound of your greetings reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The first event of excitement is actually the joy of this unborn baby. John the Baptist in utero praising God at what he is about to do through Jesus. And then uh, we see the, the blessing of Mary then. The Holy Spirit comes on Elizabeth who makes the great announcement that Mary is blessed. That Mary would be the mother of God's Saviour. She's amazed at the long-awaited Messiah is coming and that his mother is in her house. And look down at verse 45 and see her excitement. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Look down there again at verse 45. Look at what Elizabeth praises Mary for. That she believed God's promises. This is in stark contrast to what happened when Zechariah heard the prophecy. The angel came to Zechariah, he didn't believe. But the angel came to Mary and she believed. She knew the consequences. She knew she had so much to lose. But reluctantly or not, she trusted God. And that's what's being rightly praised by Elizabeth. Now, it's a bit weird, kind of, uh, talking about Mary a lot for a whole sermon. Some of you are thinking, I think James has just lost it a little bit. What's all this Mary stuff? Um, I, here's, here's the thing. I, I wonder with Mary whether we sort of say too much or too little. That's a, just a, a hunch. So it's important to clarify, Mary's not perfect here. Mary doesn't intercede for God's people here. She was a woman blessed by God. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But for, for a minute, what do we do with all this excitement? See, remember why Luke writes his gospel. You look back there at the beginning of the chapter, verses uh, 1 to 4. Luke has written this gospel to give people confidence. He wants God's people to walk with confidence. To know the promises about John the Baptist, the promises about Jesus, the promises about everything that's about to happen. Luke says to Theophilus, look, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what life is all about. It's all about to happen. Jesus is not some kind of flash in the pan guru. This is, Jesus is not some kind of snake oil salesman. When people turn up, when Jesus turns up, everyone gets excited for good reason. There's a confidence you can have when you see these unf- events unfolding. And more than that, Luke's given us this particular section to show us what one person's response to Jesus looks like. So as you look at Mary, he says to us, respond to Jesus like Mary responds. She kind of becomes a a model for us of how to respond, how to respond with thanksgiving, how to respond by being overflowing with thankfulness and praise. And more than that, When you have this confidence in who Jesus is, when you praise Jesus for who he is, you do that with other people. You celebrate this together. Now, we can't push this too far. You know, Mary and Elizabeth are in a unique point in time, in a unique point in salvation history. But at the very least, we praise what we love. We praise what we appreciate. We praise what we admire. 
I could stand here and tell you 47 different things that I loved about my wife or my kids. But at some point, I've actually got to stand in front of them and say, these are the things I appreciate about you. These are the things I admire about you. Praising God is what we do in front of Him, in front of others. There's There's a richness to it. And so whatever we do uh, here at church, in Bible study groups during the week, wherever we are, we want to make sure that it's shaped by this kind of praise and thanksgiving. And it's worth asking, just as we kind of think about this, um, as you think about your particular Bible study group, uh, the people you catch up with during the week, is that, a, is that an event, is that a time that is shaped by thankfulness and praise? I don't want you to actually tell me, because that would be embarrassing. Um, but I kind of do because I'll tell Mike and he'll go on to your Bible study group later. And, you know. <laughs> but is it, as you think about that, you know, Wednesday night or whenever you get together, like is that an event that's shaped by this praise and thanksgiving? I mean, it's, it's one thing to come together uh, and talk about our frustrations and grumbles and that's entirely appropriate. But if we only talk about our frustration, frustrations and grumbles and don't actually move to thanksgiving and praise then it seems that we've missed something here. All right, let's go on to the point two then, the reasons for joy. We've heard about the excitement of this unborn baby, John. We've heard about the excitement of Elizabeth. But the main focus here is on Mary herself. And she's moved from resigning herself to this news from the angel, uh, conscious of all the consequences of falling pregnant before she was married. And now from verse 46, she sings... She sings a song in two parts. You'll see there, uh, there's a, a whole bunch of personal things from verses 46 to 49. And then she kind of reflects on global realities from verse 50 to 55. So this is a personal song. Look down there, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My whole being lights up. He's my rescuer. He's my saviour. You see the repetition of my there. My soul, my spirit, my saviour. He's turned my life around. Verse 48. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God's taken me, a humble slave girl, and blessed me. <laughs> given me the privilege of giving birth to his Messiah. Verse 49, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy, verse 50, extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. You kind of can feel the the excitement of Mary. Um, In our family, the TV show The Bachelorette uh, gets watched from time to time. It is complete and utter trash. I have no control over my family at this point. For the teenage girls in my family, this is unmissable television. And of course, it comes with the social media stuff as well. And so this came to a brilliant climax one uh, morning as I was chatting to one of my daughters, who said that she received a reply to one of the contestants on this show. Oh, outrageous. I said, look, they've got thousands of kind of PAs who kind of run their social media empire I guarantee you it wasn't. No, I know it was her. I know it was her. She was telling me that she loved my post and I'm wonderful and there was no stopping it. 
I'm in contact with greatness. A celebrity knows who I am. I've been taken from a nobody in your dumb family to this incredible, glorious, prestigious role. There's a sense in which what happens to Mary is that in reality, times by a million. (laughs) Here I am, a nobody. And now a pregnant nobody who's not married. And God's just done this incredible thing. He's launched this incredible plan for history and I'm caught up in it. And notice again, she's not chosen because she's sinless. She's someone who needs a saviour. And God provides one and she rejoices. My soul magnifies the Lord. But there's a whole global dimension to this song as well. See, in one sense, you look at her song, you go, I'm not sure I could sing this. Like, I can feel the excitement, but this is not my song. And yet, as you come to the second half, you see the kind of picture zoom out, and you go, this is this is extraordinary. What is happening here is something we're all caught up in. Look at, down to verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. This is not just a turnaround for Mary. This is a turnaround for all sorts of people. The proud are scattered. The mighty are brought down. The humble are exalted. The rich are filled. The the, the hungry are filled. The rich are left bereft. This kind of reversal that goes on through this passage, as you see the power of God, as you see Him showing His strength, His mercy. Verse 54. This is not just a song about God helping His servant Mary. This is about God restoring His promises to all His people. This is is restoring His promises to Israel two millennia ago to Abraham and his offspring, the, the, the promise to bless the nation. God's going to help the world. God's going to do something for you and me that's just extraordinary. And it just won't happen like everyone expects. The people God shows mercy to, the people who God lifts up are not the people you expect. It's the humble, it's the hungry, it's those, that they're the ones who receive God's mercy. But the real players in this world, the rich, the proud, the mighty, they're they're put down. They suffer from real power. One of Jesus' favorite sayings was, the first will be last and and the last will be first. And with Jesus at every point, they're kind of those who think they've got a shoe in, those who are self righteous, they're put down. They're turned away. But those who are kind of conscious of their sin, those who are weighed down by their failures, they're welcomed in, they're lifted up. The hungry will be filled, the rich will be left bereft. Often when we talk about the gospel, we talk about it as good news. 
this is the news that we do bring at the real Christmas time, not just Christmas in July. But and at every point, that's a it's a challenge to those in power, to people who think they have everything they need. Every time you say Jesus is Lord, we're saying that you're not. I'm not. He said through the Bible over and over again. King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4 stands up, Is not this the great Babylon which I built by my mighty power as a royal residence and a glory for my majesty? And then five seconds later, he's this pathetic creature in a field. Or Haman in Esther, Esther 5. Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions of which the king had honored him and how he advanced him above all the officials and the servants of the king. And then five minutes later, he's hung on the gallows that he prepared for Mordecai. This God who lifts up and pulls down, who lifts up the humble and pulls down the pride. In many ways, Mary's song is is a hymn of praise. In, In many ways, it's the first brilliant Christmas carol. But within it is a is a deep and strong warning. A challenge to the rich and the powerful. And that is to come to Jesus. To find life in Him and to bear whatever cost needs to be borne to come to Him. (coughs) See, there is a cost, isn't there? It it involves admitting that you're a, a spiritual pauper. That you have nothing. That he has everything. At the end of his life, uh, the wife of the uh, the well-renowned chemical scientist, uh, Michael Faraday, asked him if he'd ever pondered uh, what his occupation would be in the next life. He'd done a fair bit of good stuff in this life. What about the next life? Before he fell unconscious, uh, Faraday uttered his last words. I shall be with Christ and that is enough. I shall be with Christ and that is enough. (laughs) All the achievements of this life, all the accolades, all the awards, nothing could compare to being with Jesus for eternity. So point three then, you know, thinking this through, like what do we do with this excitement? What do we do with this song? How do you get really excited other than watching sport? I hope you can see here that there's room in this for you and I. There's room in this song, if you like, for us. This is not just a song for Mary. This is not just a a, a news of grace and glory and mercy for Mary. But there's room for, for us in here. See, by the end of the story, this is, this, this mercy of Jesus is not just for Israel, but for every nation, including us. God is in the business of turning everything around in the world. Every human being, including us. This mercy, this grace, this work of salvation is open to everyone. God in all his goodness has looked down on us. He's seen our desperate need. 
He knows our need for healing and wholeness and purpose and love. He knows above all that our need is to have forgiveness. And so when you know what it is to be forgiven, you give thanks. You don't necessarily need to write a song. It's not appreciated. If you want to, that's great. You know, chat to Jack, he'll be really help, uh, really appreciative. But it's worth thinking at the very least, what, what are you thankful for? Uh, personally, what are you thankful for? And as you think about God's work across the world, what are you thankful for? Uh, here's my challenge for, you know, sunny Sunday afternoon in Adelaide. I think it'd be great this afternoon, maybe over a roast preacher at lunch, if that's what you have for lunch. Um, just chat about five things that you're thankful for. Five things that you can give thanks to God for. It might be personal. It might be stuff that's happened to you this week, this year. It might be global. But I think it's worth getting us, uh, worth getting in the practice of, of being mindful of this, of thinking about thanking God. As I said at the beginning, for most of us, it, it, it's not something that comes naturally. We're not naturally exuberant, charismatic char- characters. Some of us are, but most of us aren't. And so it's just worth us having this practice of bringing to mind things that we thank God for, that we consistently have patterns that leads to prayer, that leads to praise. I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to pray from that psalm. So if you want to bow your heads, we'll pray. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and the south. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Our Father, we thank you that you are the God who lifts up. We thank you that you are the one who gives grace and mercy. You are the God who restores. You are the God who heals. Our Father, help us to respond rightly. Help us respond by living lives of thankfulness and praise. Uh, Help us to do that together when we meet, when we gather on Sundays, when we gather together during the week, when we catch up with each other one-on-one. Help us to be people who bring to mind the things that we're thankful for, the things that we praise you for. Uh, Father, we want to live as disciples of Jesus who are overflowing with praise. We know that will only happen with your help and so we pray by your spirit change us for that end. Amen.